Culture Map presents What's Eric Eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas, here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at the Houston bar and restaurant scene. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Joining me this week is Elise Sloan, one half of the dynamic duo that is Urban Swank. Fee, how are you? Hey, 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 hey. How you doing? I'm great. It's good to have you back. Let's dive right into the news of the week. The last time you were on the show, we talked about the announcement that Truth Barbecue for Brenham, Texas Monthly's 10th best barbecue joint in the entire state of Texas, had announced that it would open a location in Houston, we now know where that location is. If you will recall, I actually teased you with this a little bit. I said, how do you feel about Washington Avenue? You did do the teaser. And, you know, I was kind of against it, right? You were a little bit against it. Now that it's official that they are signed a lease to open in the former J. Black space on Washington Avenue at Heights Boulevard, how do you feel? Well, of course, I can't be against it because it's going to happen, right? No one asked me. So I feel like because they're going there, that's a good decision because they can get up and going very quickly. So we can get Truth Barbecue a little bit quicker. So I am happy about that. Yeah, and it's worth noting that building before it was Jay Black's, it was a barbecue joint called Phil's that you will be forgiven for not remembering because (laughs) it wasn't very good. But... It means that the the structure is good. Now he's got he's got to get his style of barbecue pit in there. He said he wants to change the structure of the kitchen to improve the flow. But one interesting thing he told me that didn't make it in the article just because I was trying to hit the highlights and keep flowing was it's going to be lunch only at least in the beginning. Ooh, so then that's going to be think about Washington right now. It's lunch. It's not lunch only, but kind of. It's very busy at lunchtime. So that little area is going to be hopping. Well, and if you think about it, if you're working downtown, yes, it's a straight shot down Memorial. You take that wall ramp, and basically you're you're there. Right. So easily accessible. And I know that's been a good source of business for Pinkerton's Barbecue because he's basically one exit north of I-10 off of 45. Right. So that downtown lunch business is going to be a real focus of what Truth does in the beginning. And, you know, the the Brenham restaurant is only open three days a week. He's going to be open six days a week in Houston. Yeah, I think that, again, I think that's, uh, for us, the location, I get it. Um, Lunch only, I just think um, it's just going to be slammed. Because think about all the people that are, like, going to Brenham right now, right? So they're, they live in Houston. They're, I can go to Washington, and I got to go at lunchtime. Then you got the lunch crowd going. So I think it's going to be, at least in the beginning, the first couple of months, insane. They're going to be sold out barbecue by 1 o'clock every day. Yeah, it's going to be <laughs> pandemonium. Personally, I'm just excited that I won't have to dodge 290 traffic. I always feel like I'm cheating death every time I get on that highway. <laughs> well, but you may want to, though. Think about it. It's going to be so busy, you may have a better chance of getting on 290 on a Thursday, going to Brenham, then, and getting some barbecue, than waiting in line and they're sold out. That's all well, I'm saying. Well, I will say Leonard is saying all the right things about getting people through the line quickly. He's excited about having a full-size kitchen for sides. They'll be, not that they've ever been inconsistent, but it'll be easier to produce them, if nothing else. You know, I mean, obviously this is a, a developing situation. Now, the one thing is, he won't commit to when he thinks they're going to open. So that part remains to be seen. But if you if you squint a little bit and you sort of hope that a place that was once a barbecue joint can be turned pretty quickly into a barbecue joint again, hopefully we'll be eating at Truth Houston before the end of the year. I hope so. I hope so. Let let let's predict. Okay, since you made the prediction last time, right. let's make a prediction. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna put an over under on Halloween. Will we be ordering Thanksgiving turkeys from Truth Barbecue Houston? Yeah, I can go with that. I was thinking maybe more the beginning of October. So you're more end of October. 
Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm beginning of October. All right. Well, let's see. Let's see what they come up with. Yeah. Well, either way, either way, we're going to be winners, I think. Yeah. We're going to be winners. (laughs) Whenever it opens, we're all going to be winners. We all are going to be winning. All right. Our other, our next topic, crisp bird and batter, Chef Ben McPherson's crispy fried chicken sandwich concept has had a, a good start at the corner of Fountain View in Richmond, just west of the Galleria. But they're going to step things up a bit. They're coming to the Heights sometime here in August. Felice, have you been to Crisp? I have been to Crisp um, a couple of times. And I have mixed thoughts because it's been inconsistent. The size, and we took pictures, the size of my chicken versus um, Shanna's chicken. I mean, it just it was very inconsistent. The second time I went back, it was better. But it's a very good taste. I think it's great concept and they have they have something there yeah i mean ben was pretty candid when i talked to him for the article on culture map that they've been through what he called trials and tribulations getting the concept dialed in and now they're ready to grow so 2400 north shepherd right across from where heb is going to open eventually and then they're looking to grow downtown memorial maybe pearland maybe maybe other suburbs and then beyond houston to austin and dallas so the Heights location is going to step things up. They're going to add breakfast. It's going to have more seating. It's a bigger restaurant. It's going to have a patio. It's a family-friendly concept. It's relatively affordable, maybe a little bit expensive compared to its national fast food competition. Yeah, it's a little expensive. Yeah. It's a little expensive for what it is, but yeah. it's it's still not a it's not an expensive dinner. Co- correct, correct. Uh, so we'll see. You know, I think. I think the Heights is a good, but how do you feel about the Heights as the second home for crisp? Okay. So considering all the things we just said, the inconsistency issues, I think that I hope they really have them worked out because it is, as we said, for what it is, it's a little expensive, but not overly expensive. And it's the Heights. So the Heights is used to, if you're, if you're not delivering, you're not going to have people. They will go somewhere else. Yeah. The Heights is a funny <laughs> dining neighborhood because it, it seems like restaurants either are busy right away and stay that way or people give it like one shot and then they don't like it, they don't come back. Correct. So that's that's my only concern with that. So hopefully, and like you said, they're getting bigger, they're adding breakfast. I love Ben, so I am hoping that you know we see four and five more. But that's just is something that I think he really needs to be concerned about and make sure that they have it together. Because, you know, the Heights, they don't play. They're, like you said, they'll be like, get you a chance going down the street. And that's it. They'll never come back. Absolutely. Also in the news, Hugo Ortega, the newly minted James Beard Award winner, best chef Southwest. His restaurant, Sochi, in the Marriott Marquis downtown, has been named one of the 12 best new restaurants in the country by Eater's traveling national critic, Bill Addison. This feels like this feels like the year of Hugo, right? He, he won the yep. James Beard Award. Sochi's really good. His restaurant, Hugo's, Bill put on the Eater's list of the 38 best restaurants in the country. And... I'm going to make a prediction. I'm going to I'm going to jump right out. I think when Allison Cook ranks the 100 best restaurants in Houston for the Houston Chronicle, Sochi's going to be the new number 1. You think? Number 1? I do. Yeah, I think Her he... first her first four-star review in a really long time. Yeah. Went to Sochi. Oxart, the former number 1 has closed. I don't think Justin Yu is going to have Theodore Rex up and running in time to be eligible for that kind of ranking. So I think it's going to be Sochi. You know what? I'm buying what you're selling. I hadn't really thought about it like that. I guess that's why you do what you do. I eat, <laughs> sleep, drink. I guess that's why you breathe. do what you do. That is correct. I hadn't really thought about it like that. You you know what? I'm not going to debate you on that. I th- I think that you may be on to something. So what do you think of Sochi? Because I think people are still kind of warming up to it. I, I the only reason I I agree with you on that is because it is downtown. And it is in a hotel. So just their 
you know, people that, again, get it. They know, you know, Hugo, they get it. They're going to give it a shot. I think it's beautiful. I think they're doing a very good job. You know, we're in issues of consistency. It's always going to be good, right? Um, it's going to be executed well, drinks. Everything's on point. But to your to the point of what you're making, people are still warming up to it because it's downtown. I had a very funny conversation with two diners at a bar downtown Saturday night who did not like their meal at Sochi. They said, oh, we ordered the queso and it's just a block of white cheese. It's like, yes, ma'am, it's it's actual Mexican cheese that they make the restaurant. It's not. You know, Tex-Mex, Tex-Mex queso. Right, right. You, you know, you should have looked at the menu and had some inkling that you were not going to a conventional Tex-Mex restaurant, that it's Oaxacan food with a regional perspective right? and rigorously sourced ingredients. That just kind of made me laugh. I think, I think when she heard that I was a food writer, she was very skeptical of my intelligence and taste when I said, oh, no, it's one of the best restaurants in Houston right now. Right, Bill, because she probably was thinking, as a lot of people do, it's Houston. Everything is Tex-Mex. <laughs> and it's, right, yeah. that's that's what people think. Like, oh, well, no, it's not prepared wrong, as you said, ma'am. <laughs> Look, did you read the menu? Right. But her husband did say he tried a grasshopper and liked it. So, baby steps, we're making progress. So she's wonderful. And I think this will be the first of several pieces of national recognition for it. We'll see, like, when the Bon Appetit list of right. best new restaurants comes out, you know, other publications, GQ, Esquire, that do that sort of thing. But it it feels like Hugo is going from maybe, Houston, like, a, a chef who was locally famous to a chef who's now regionally and nationally famous. And you know what? Couldn't happen to a better guy. He is, you know, he's all that. He is super nice. He knows what he's doing. Um, you know, everyone likes him. And he has great food, so. Right. And Sochi is, like all of Hugo and, and his business partner slash wife, Tracy Vaught's Restaurants, is participating in Houston Restaurant Week. So if you want to go to Sochi, there are three different $45 dinner menus that are available and also a $35 vegetarian menu. Beverage pairings are super reasonable. I think they're $27 or $28 each, depending on which menu you choose. So I think that's going to get people who maybe have been kind of biding their time into Sochi to check it out. I think so, too. All right. Now, the one other topic I want to hit is that this is a busy week for restaurants opening. We had kind of a lull in July. Right. It was a little bit quiet. It's it's picking up again. Yep. They're, the first week of August, they're out of the gate swinging, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we got what? We have um, Bernie's opening. Yep, Bernie's Burger Bus in the Heights. That opened, we'll let you in behind the curtain. We're recording this Monday afternoon. It opened this morning at 7 o'clock for breakfast and will be open for lunch, breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. And then the one that I am super excited about is Abuzi, Sean Vereen's new restaurant. Yeah. He is the former general manager of Brasserie 19, stepping out on his own. He took the former 60 Degrees Master Crafted Space on Westheimer near Kirby, 250 champagnes and sparkling wines on the wine list. I'm so excited. Beyond the name Abuzi, like that just I just want to say that all day long. How exciting is that? Right? Like it's bubbles all day, every day. And then you can get food, but I'm excited about the bubbles a little bit more right now. Yeah. And I think, you know, all of the press materials and the website and everything describes the restaurant as champagne fueled, which it's not to say that the food will or won't be good. I mean, we haven't we haven't tried it. I don't I don't know anyone who has, but you're going for an experience. Yes. You're going because there's 250 sparkling wines on the wine list. And it's called a boozy. And it's called a boozy. And it's gonna have <laughs> it's gonna have a great atmosphere. You know, I've described Sean as the master of ceremonies for the city's bold faced names. He certainly Reigned over Brasserie 19's dining room for many, many years. He knows all the players. He strokes all the egos. He takes great care of everybody. And now that it's his name on the building, I think I, I just expect really good things from him. I do, too. I, like you said, what he's done, what he did at Brasserie, this, this is his baby. So he kind of took all the things he learned, 
added what he wants, put his stank on it, I like to say. And we're going to see what Detroit comes out with. I'm excited. Well, and of course, you know, the, the hottest restaurants in Houston for the past year or so have been Steak 48 and La Colonia. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I think this is going to pull people back east. Yes. And I think this is going to be the restaurant where people are kind of hanging out. Like this is going to be the this is going to be the hot bar scene. This is going to be all the people that are culture map social coverage profiles. This is going to be where they're hanging out for the next few months. Oh yeah, it's definitely a um, what you people watching. The pretty people will be there. So if you want to see a lot of pretty people and get some bubbles. A boozy is going to be where it's at. And then. So that'll probably be the restaurant of the week next week. But there are a couple more openings I just want to hit briefly. Good Company Barbecue has opened in the Woodlands. This yep. is the first time that Good Company Barbecue has expanded in several years. They've been out on 290 for a long time, but this is a move north. And I think, you know, people have their opinions about Good Company Barbecue. I will say that it is doing its own thing. It is not as much in this tradition that truth is kind of following the Franklin path. Good Company's barbecue is leaner, not not quite as aggressively seasoned and not quite as smoky as sort of the Franklin disciples. But it certainly still has a place in the city. People still really like it. And I think more importantly than a new Good Company barbecue, their kitchen and cantina concept, which is the kind of reimagining of Good Company yeah. Taqueria, is coming in another few weeks. And that's going to blend kind of the Tex-Mex that you get at Good Company Taqueria with some South Texas influences that go back to the Good Family Heritage and that they have started experimenting with at Armadillo Palace. Now, you've been to Armadillo Palace and had some of those dishes. Mm -hmm. What was your impression of this new direction for them? I think it's really smart because think about it as a restaurant family. They get it. They've been around forever. So to see them grow and kind of hey let's take it in a new direction let's kind of get some of those new diners um expand upon some of the things that we do well i think it's great and the woodlands they need that so the two restaurants will be right next door to each other so again it's it's easy it makes sense it makes sense um for for them to do that and i think they'll do well i'm excited for them yeah i mean we had carrie atar and chef edel gonsalves from the Fielding's Culinary Group on the show last week, they said, you know, the Woodlands is growing. There's 100,000 people up there. New restaurants opening all the time. They still see opportunity in the Woodlands, and so it's not surprising that established Houston restaurateurs like Good Company do too. And then really it's just a question of who's next. Right, who's next. And then if you think about the Woodlands, what's happening right now in the Woodlands, there are a lot of restaurants out there but it's more, it has been more chains. So it's great to see these non-chain um, restaurants going in. And the people in the Woodlands, that, that's what they wanted. You see it. They're re- responding to it. And I think it's a good thing. Absolutely. And then our last opening this week that I'm aware of, you never know when something's <laughs> going to just pop up and throw the doors open. But Huey's, the Vietnamese and kind of Texas country restaurant in the Lazy Brook Timber Grove neighborhood that's known for a great craft beer selection. Their Heights location is opening this week. It replaces Foreign Correspondence on North Main Street. Not really a whole lot to say about Huey's for me. I don't know if you... Do you have strong opinions about Huey's one way or the other? I don't. I like their bombies. I mean, you know, I, <laughs> I don't yeah. have... Yeah, I, I think I mean, they have good I, food. I like that there's a restaurant where I can get an affordable craft beer, a good banh mi, and a really surprisingly good chicken fried steak. I've heard that. I've never had the chicken fried steak, but I've heard I should get the chicken fried steak. But yeah, they're going to they're gonna throw open the doors and do Vietnamese food. And then the canard space is going to be called the One-Arm Scissor Bar. That's another couple weeks away. But, you know, just more, more, bigger, better, you know, in the Brooksmith neighborhood, Heights adjacent, if you're getting really, really fussy. Right. But I'm I'm calling it, I'm still calling it the Heights. I call that the Heights still, too. I love the location, right? We love that location, good building, so I, I wish them well. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? 
So for our restaurant of the week, we want to talk about two different topics. First of all, you and I checked out a few dishes on the menu at South Bank Seafood Bar. This is the replacement for the refinery, the burger and craft beer spot in Midtown that recently closed. Same owners, new concept, going in a lighter direction, seafood. I mean, Felice, I'll just, I'm just going to throw it over to you. What were your sort of impressions of our first experience at South Bank Seafood Bar? Okay, first impressions. Love what they've done with the space. I think it's, you know, amazing. And it's going with that whole patio theme, so I'm liking that. Um, there are some hit and miss, some hits and misses on the things that we tried, but I know that they're new. So, and I know that we've talked to the general manager, they're still working on the menu. So for now, if I were to go back like today, I would go for happy hour. Yeah. The happy hour is very affordable. I know it's, uh, they're doing a two, three, four, five, six concept. Right. With, um, they're taking some of their drink specials. Um, some of the, they're, they have like a watermelon fresca, they, they're putting some old-fashioned, some things that you normally would have to wait. They're <laughs> adding those to the menu just to offer a very comprehensive happy hour um, drink menu along with some of the popular dishes from their menu, like the lobster roll, I think, was on there. The quesadillas. Yeah, so here, so here it is. $3 beers, mm-hmm. $4 food, $5 cocktails and wine from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m., seven days a week. And so the... The cocktails include the blueberry jalapeno margarita, the frosé, the watermelon fresca, the mojito, and the Moscow mule. The beer includes draft options, Bud, Bud Light, Miller Light, Dos Equis, Lone Star, Stella, and Heineken in a bottle. And then the food options are oysters, boiled shrimp, fish tacos, shrimp balls, wings, chicken quesadilla, and chips with salsa and guacamole. Not bad for four bucks. No, good price. Uh, you know, they're not going to, the lobster roll is something that they're, they're touting. That's one of their signature dishes, not on the happy hour menu, of course. Got it. Okay. But I, I know what I thought of the lobster roll. What did you think of the lobster roll? Cause yeah. that, that is something that they're really focused on. Okay. So I'm pretty sure I was a little bit um, less critical cause Eric is a lobster roll snob. So I thought it was a pretty good lobster roll. Um, for me, I'm I'm real simple though. Like so, it had these um, pickled, was it pickled cucumbers? Yeah, just pickles. Yeah, yeah. They had the pickles, so I pulled those off. I they were good. I ate them on the side. I don't want that on my lobster roll. So I didn't feel like they added anything to it. It had some dried capers. I get it, but it didn't need it. So far as lobster roll, I thought it was a pretty good lobster roll. I could just ate it just like that. For me, right. I mean, I like my lobster rolls very simple. Give me. Big, sweet pieces of lobster, just enough mayonnaise to hold the thing together, and then that split-top toasted buttery roll. So this has pickles, it had capers, and then the roll itself had a little bit of garlic, like a kind of a garlic bread thing going on. I don't think it detracted from the lobster roll. It's just not what I like in a lobster roll. Like, I... I think they're they're onto something. I think by Houston standards, it's a very good lobster roll, but for me, I like them real plain, real pure, real traditional, real simple. Yeah, I figured. Yeah, I figured that you did. So, like as you're saying, for Houston standards, though, or people that like lobster rolls, they probably would like it. Yeah, I think that yeah. that's probably true. We also like the campechana, the seafood cocktail. Oh, that was that delicious. Was, yeah. We we were we we put a real hurt in that. And then the dish that we didn't like, they were trying to do a dim sum style fried shrimp ball with a cornflake crust. Just didn't really work for either one of us. Yeah, no, the texture was off for me. Yeah, the texture was off, and I, I think you lost kind of the flavor, that, that sweet shrimp flavor that you really want, even in, even in a fried context like that, just kind of got lost in that dish. But, you know, I think they understand that some of these menu items are still a work in progress, or maybe they're, they're getting feedback from their customers who liked it better than we did. So you were, you were holding, so they had a gumbo on there, because, you know, I'm a gumbo snob. Yes, I was going to let you talk about that. And so I told you to hold your opinion so we until we could talk about it on the radio. So they brought us a, just want a shot of the gumbo, because it's really all you need, so you can taste it to see what you think. So I'm going to go with you. 
What did you think of the gumbo? I thought it was a pretty good gumbo. I don't think it's a great gumbo. It's also a little bit hard to evaluate gumbo when it's 95 degrees outside because I don't crave it in the same way. It's not as comforting to me when it's hot outside. I thought the flavor was pretty good. It didn't have that that incredible depth that comes from like the very best gumbos, but I would I would eat it again. Okay, very good. Well, you know, I can eat gumbo every single day of the year. And I thought they were on to something. They're almost there, but not quite. It's still, to me, it's like a gumbo soup, meaning like most places that I would go and I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, it gives me a gumbo flavor. I think the flavors need to de- be developed a whole lot more. So for me, they're almost there, but not quite. Not quite. All right. And then briefly, I know because we're running out of time, Houston Restaurant Weeks has started. Yes. Diners all over the city are trying to pour through over 250 locations. There's almost that many menus. You published an article on Urban Swank listing your top eight picks. What were a couple that you are really excited about? Excited about Common Bond. They're adding a dinner service for HRW. So I think that's they have a great menu. I'm excited about that. Also, um, the general public over in City Center they're doing something um, kind of interesting. You get, once you do the HRW, you get a bowling pass and for their bowling barrel next door. So I think I was excited about that for people. Um, and another one that Cultivare is making a debut. So top one of the top restaurants in the city, super stoked. Yeah, and then one that is kind of a late addition that I'm excited about is Rise, the souffle restaurant in the Boulevard Place, like right where... It's, it's right above Pesca. It's mm-hmm. right near True Food Kitchen. It's right around the corner from Whole Foods. $45 three-course menu. You get a savory souffle as your entree, and then you get a dessert souffle. I don't think you will find very many places that do souffles as well as rise. And then for savory, I don't know any other place in the city that does quite what they do. And it's a really, it's a pretty restaurant. It's a comfortable restaurant. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good date spot. Yep. So for all of those reasons, Rise is kind of a, a restaurant that I always feel like is flying a little bit under the radar. I hear every time I bring it up to people, I hear, oh, yeah, I want to try that place. Well, stop saying that you want to try that place and then go actually try that place. Yeah, it's really good. During Houston Restaurant Weeks and your $45 donation or your $45 dinner triggers a $7 donation to the Houston Food Bank. And that is good for 21 meals. So you can do some good in the world and feed your belly. All right. That does it for Restaurants of the Week. I will be right back with Ian Tucker. Stick around. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? Our interview this week is brought to you by our sponsor, 8th Wonder Brewery, a locally owned brewery right located right in East Downtown. What I like about 8th Wonder is that they pay homage to Houston's history, the Astrodome, the 8th Wonder of the World. Their beers are Houston-focused. They're designed for the local palette, and they like the brand itself. They pay tribute to Houston's history, so they just have a new Hefeweizen that just won a, a gold medal at a recent beer competition. It's called Weistheimer, after Westheimer. They have the dome foam that harken back to those bygone days of sitting at the Astrodome having a cold beer, but this is a beer that actually has flavor, and it's pleasant to drink. And of course, the nice thing about 8th Wonder is that you can go to their brewery in East Downtown. It's very conveniently located. It's the perfect place to go before a Dynamo game or an Astros game. You can have a bite to eat from the Ichi Boys food truck that's always there. You can have a couple of beers, maybe a, maybe a Dome Foam, maybe a, a Haterade, their Gozo that I find very refreshing because it's got a little bit of tartness to it. Or you can you can sit for something a little heavier, the Rocket Fuel there. Vietnamese Coffee Porter or the IPA, their new double IPA that's got 88 IBUs, that nice bitter kick that all you beer people really love. So thank you to 8th Wonder. Interview is up next. My guest this week is Ian Tucker. Ian is the native Irishman turned almost brand new Houstonian behind Balls Out Burger, a newly opened burger joint in the Heights. And he's already working on a second project, Putchin, 
a breakfast, lunch, and dinner gastro pub. Are we? Are we? I, I guess kind of. Kind of. All right. Well, we'll talk. We'll. I'll get. I'll get schooled on that here in a minute. That's opening uh, in Sawyer Yard sometime in the next. In the next six months or so. A little bit longer. Spring. Okay. Spring. Spring of. Spring of 2018. All right. Well, Ian, thanks. Uh, thanks for joining me. Welcome to the show. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. So why don't we kind of start with Balls Out Burger? You were well. No, let's let's actually let's even let's even start. Let's even take it a step back farther. I'm sorry. <laughs> Because it's such a it's such a charming story. How did you wind up in Houston? It is a charming story, kind of kind of story people write books about, I guess. Um, so I met my now wife in Ireland a few years back, so early 2014. Um, she was on a five day vacation with one of her friends. Her first trip outside the states, aside from Mexico, they came to Ireland because it was the cheapest flights they could get. Um, and I own a couple of bars over there and they came into one of them one night and they sat at the bar and I made a point of talking to her. And next thing I know, I live in Houston. We're married. Just had a baby. <laughs> yeah, you just had a you just had a son. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Ten days ago. Yeah, thanks. So what what were your bars in Ireland like? So kind of different to each other in a lot of ways. So our first one we opened in two thousand nine. We, we opened it as a gastropub. Um, I guess that was before the gastropub scene took Ireland. It had taken London a bit before that. So we were the first to, to do a gastropub style. Up until then, you basically had your, your restaurants that did great food and your pubs, your traditional Irish pub, that did great pints and whiskeys and all that. But nowhere really that kind of combined the two. So we decided to open a gastropub. We wanted to do something where we would socialize, we would hang out. Um, really good food, really top quality drinks, but combined together, a nice relaxed atmosphere, no pretentiousness, not super high end in terms of pricing. So we opened a place called the Exchequer, um, which very quickly got off the ground and, and went really well. About seven months after we opened, we were awarded Best Gastropub in Ireland, which at that point was kind of like a, a bar and restaurant award, I guess. Three out of the last five years, we've won Best Cocktail Experience in Ireland. So we're very well known for cocktails in particular, like high-end mixology, top-quality cocktails. Then we went completely in a different track and we took over a, I guess, a kind of bohemian, hippie, hipster-style live music bar spread across three levels that did live music seven nights a week, rock, punk, reggae, jazz, like everything. Um, so that place was kind of not doing so well. The owner wanted to get out of it, so we took it over turned it around um, and yeah, we did that there. So that was a bit out of our comfort zone. And then a couple of years after that, we opened another Exchequer, but kind of focused it a little different. That's called the Exchequer Wine Bar. So that was, as opposed to the huge emphasis on cocktails, it was a big emphasis on wine. So we have like 120 wines available, most of them by the glass, um, kind of higher end of food, more of a restaurant style, I guess, than the original Exchequer. Okay. Yeah. So when you, you moved to Houston, did you, did you know right away that you wanted to stay in the restaurant business or did you think maybe you were going to do something else? No, I knew. I mean, it's it's part of the discussion I had with my wife about who would move. Because obviously, because I own businesses, she kind of assumed that she would be the one to move. Um, but part of the discussion was, well, if I move to Houston, what can I do and et cetera. I, before I did move, I visited a lot of times. I must have visited 11, 12, 13 times over a couple of years. So I had a pretty good idea of the scene here. I was pretty blown away by the culinary diversity here and the cultural diversity, like surprisingly so. I hadn't expected that in Texas. I didn't really know much about Texas. Um, so I was really pleasantly surprised. In the, and every time I came and visited, we'd go to amazing restaurants, amazing bars. And I just started thinking, yeah, this is a city I could definitely do well in and bring some ideas to. So how did you decide on Balls Out Burger for your first Houston restaurant? So the plan actually was to do what's going to end up being putching. That was the plan originally to do that first because that's going to be very in, in keeping with the style of the Exchequer. So really good quality cocktails, breakfast, lunch, dinner, like high-end food, very much full-service restaurant. Um, but I didn't want to rush into anything both before I got to know the areas of the city and the people here and got to experience the cuisine a bit more. So even though I looked at 50 premises 
I never found the right one. So I want to rush into it. And then in addition to doing that, I kind of just wanted to do something different as well, something a little bit smaller scale, something to maybe get me out of my comfort zone a little bit because all my experience is in more high-end kind of things. Um, the, the burger scene here is huge. I mean, there's a lot of places, obviously, as you know, a lot. Um, but I did feel that there was something different that could be done, which is what we do. Right. So you decided on a New York diner style cheeseburger. And for people who haven't been to Balls Out Burger yet, it's a it's pretty no frills. You you serve very no frills. You serve one kind of cheese. Uh-huh. You have a, a relatively simple 44 farms patty. And I think the key the key element is that you toast the buns in beef fat. Correct. So it's a it's a griddled it's a griddled burger with a good hard sear and that really crunchy buttery bun. Correct. How did you what do you like about that style of, of burger? Or how did you how did you settle on that style of burger for Balls Out? Well, I guess and not just here, but in a lot of places. It's the same in Ireland and I spent a lot of time in England. I've spent a lot of time in other parts of the States too, where burgers seem to be over the last 10 years in particular, five years, going more towards how much stuff can we pile on it? How big can we make it? How many knives do we need to put through the center of it to hold it together? Um, And for me, I felt that it was kind of taking away a little bit from a burger and just what that kind of traditionally was, which was just meat, cheese and bread. And then for me personally, a bit of ketchup and that's my burger. Right. So I think that it may be you know, I was I was reading your Yelp reviews, which I know is always a, a dangerous pastime. They're, they're a little bit all over the place. There are people who are really excited about uh-huh. Balls Out Burger, and then there are people who are like, why don't they have bacon and avocado? Yeah. How is that skewing for you so far? Are people into the concept, or, or are you still trying to explain why you don't have bacon? Um, I would say a bit of both in response to those two questions at the end there. Um. We are still still very much trying to educate people as to our concept and what we do so that I guess before they even come, they know what they're going to get and you know they're not coming in with expectations of different things being available that are not available. Um, and in general, we're getting a, a very good response. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't expect to be the burger venue of choice every time somebody wants to go get a burger. You know, I, I understand that sometimes people want to go get a burger and get bacon or egg or mushroom or whatever type of toppings on it or, or not necessarily just beef. And and the, the days that people want to do that, and if they come into me expecting that, I will happily recommend to them where to go. There's great burger venues in the city and, and I, I love them myself. But then on the day that they just want a good traditional beef cheeseburger, come to me. Right. Now you have made, I, I ate there this weekend, so I've noticed that you've made a few changes since opening. You've, you've relented on canned sodas. Yeah. Uh, what what other so I I should put that in in a better context. When you opened, you only served canned sodas. Yes. Now you have a soda machine. Yes. What other? Why why did you do that? And kind of what what changes have you made to kind of better accommodate what people want from Balls Out? Um, we have made some changes. Just some things we're being very steadfast on, such as no bacon and and the toppings you have available, etc. Because that is the concept we want to achieve. I will obviously admit that there are things, and we listen to feedback, you know. I mean, some people complain to us about things being not available or certain things we do, and our, our response will be, well, that's our concept, and, you know, we hope you love what we do, but we're not going to change that thing you requested. But then a lot of other people give us feedback, and we say, yeah, okay, we, we take on board what you're saying, you know. Um, I am new to Houston. I'm new to the market. Um, there are things that we've changed such as the sodas an idea that i thought would work here that people would appreciate here ended up not being the case and more people complained about the fact we did canned sodas and not fountain drinks than the other way around so we took that on board um the whole idea behind that was that first of all aluminum cans are more environmentally friendly which is very important to us um and then secondly i mean i wouldn't say coca-cola sprite etc are like top quality ingredients, you know, a lot of sugar in them, but the quality in a can is way better than the quality in a fountain machine. 
So that was part of it too. We wanted to give the better quality product. But like I said, we listened to feedback. You know, a lot of people said, no, no, that's not what we want. So we, we changed it up. Uh, and then the other thing I noticed when I had dinner there was that it took about not quite 15 minutes for the order to come out. Uh-huh. Are you cooking from raw? Is that is that kind of why? It seems like kind of a long time for a burger. We are cooking from raw. And this is one of the examples of something. If If somebody complains to us that it takes... 12 to 15 minutes to get their burger, I will say good. Because that's how long it takes to cook a burger the size. We cook it from scratch. We, we put the, the patty on the grill in a ball shape. We do a slight press just to get it in shape, and that's it. We don't touch the burger after that apart from to flip it once and season it. We don't squash it. We don't you know, push it down the grill. We don't try and make it cook faster by, by cutting a hole in the middle of it. Nothing like that. We want it to be a top quality taste to the meat. And if the only way you're getting a burger, six ounces to cook in seven, eight, nine minutes that some people want it in is to destroy the meat. And, and that's the reality. So when somebody says that it takes that time, yeah, it does take that time. We're not fast food, you know, and it, it, will, it will never take six minutes, seven minutes. So that would be my response to that one. Anything, anything longer than that? Fair enough. That's right. If it, if, it, if it drifts into 18, 20 minutes, Correct. it's like, yeah. Um, but you feel comfortable with the cooking process and the, the turn times that you're currently yes. running? Yes, at, at, a, at, a, at a, a longest ticket time when we're busy of 12 to 15 minutes, I'm happy with that. Yes, absolutely. And then I'd, I'd like to switch to Poutine just for a little bit. I, I know you, you briefly described the concept, but, but could you just go into a little bit more detail about what people can expect from that restaurant. Yeah, absolutely. So it's obviously totally different to Balls Out. Um, Balls Out obviously is a, 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 a premium offering, but very casual restaurant. Right, a, a fast casual. People can spend, I'd say, typically about 15 bucks on a yeah. burger, fries, and a Coke. Exactly. You know, come in with a big beer garden, games everywhere. Come in on your flip-flops, hang out, you know, whatever. We don't care. We pe- A bunch of people there in the swimsuits last weekend. You know, it's very casual. Um, Putchin is going to be a lot more high-end in terms of the offering, but definitely not in terms of stuffiness or pretentiousness or anything like that. So what I want is our, our venue's beautiful. It's in Sawyer Yards. It's a, an old warehouse. There's massively high ceilings that we're keeping, leaving them exposed. We've glass, 270 degrees around the building, amazing view of downtown. It's, it's a really beautiful space. We want people to come in, be very relaxed, come in in suits, come in in shorts, sandals, we, we don't care. But you're going to get a really good meal offering, really high-end cocktails, great beer selection, great wine, really professional service, but just not charged through the nose for it. And, and another thing you're going to have about the building, I, as I drove past it, it looks like it's going to have a huge patio. Yes, we've, our patio's about 1,400 square feet, roughly. Um, so it's pretty big. Yeah, we're going to have probably about 80 seats on there. We're still configuring it a little bit, but probably about 80 seats. And then, are there are there places in Houston that you that you visited that you think that kind of reminds me of what we're going to do at Puccini, or or is this something that the city hasn't necessarily seen before? Certainly, something that I haven't seen in the city before. Bear in mind, I've only lived here two years and, and visited a bunch of times before that. So, so there may be places out there. Certainly, I'm not saying there isn't, but certainly nothing that I've been to before. Um, I, I guess. I guess I'm trying to put together the best of a few places, if you know what I mean, like places that do amazing food. And then you've other places that are, but sorry, but that might not have the best drinks. You've other places that have amazing drinks, but maybe not the best food. Other places where it's an incredible atmosphere, but not necessarily the product. So I'm trying to combine all those things. Well, and I think breakfast is really going to set you apart because there aren't a lot of, you know, there's kind of dinery breakfast. And of uh-huh. course, there's a ton of places for, breakfast tacos and kolaches and all that kind of stuff. But, but a sit-down, comfortable breakfast, that feels kind of different to me. Yeah, and that's, that's something very common where I come from. The whole going out for breakfast thing is, is, is done a lot over there. It's popular, and I'd like people to do that more here. So has your, how has your experience both you know, living in Houston and since you opened Balls Out kind of shaped your expectations for Poutine or, or how you're approaching that concept? Um, 
shape them slightly in terms of the process I have to go through in terms of the city and the permitting and those kind of things. Balzac was a bit of a learning curve for me. I mean, we do have those issues in Ireland too when you're building a new place, but just, I guess, some things over there are more important to permitting offices than things here, and then some things here are more important than over there. So I guess I'm going into more of my eyes open a little bit in terms of that and, and giving myself more time on it. I mean, I expected to open Balls out a lot sooner than we did in the end because of delays we hit in different areas. So I guess with this, I'm kind of being more a bit realistic about the time frame and how long things will take, et cetera. And then I saw that you've partnered with Nexi to do, to, to give regular people the opportunity to invest in the project. Yes. How did that come together? So they actually just... Uh, just before I opened Balls Out, they just reached out to me. I think they saw an article in one of the newspapers or magazines about me and Pochine and Balls Out, and, and they reached out to me, to my email, um, and kind of told me a bit about themselves, and I researched them and looked at other projects that they'd done, and then met them, and they came across very well. I got on very well with them. They're, they're good people. They do a very good job. Um, and I just thought it was a great idea. You know, it, um, it, it gives local people an opportunity to get involved in a project that they can get excited about. Um, so for the community, it's good from that end. And then for me, obviously, it's great because in addition to raising funds for it, it's also a great marketing tool. You know, all those people that, that look at it and invest in it are going to tell everybody and they're going to come and bring their friends, et cetera, et cetera. So is there a, a timeline for when it, what's the, what's the deadline for people to invest in the project? You know, it's about another eight or nine weeks, nine weeks, I think roughly. And roughly how much money are you looking to raise through next year? Um, between three and five hundred grand. <laughs> sounds like a lot. I mean, that sounds like a lot of money, but it's not. Uh, but obviously, it, it costs even much more than that to open a restaurant. True. I mean, that's you know, I, I'm not going to say a fraction of what we're putting into it, but, but it's not that much part of what we're putting into the whole project. It, it costs a lot of money to open a restaurant, yeah. But I mean, it's going well so far. It's only been live for two weeks now, and I think it's had a hundred grand already. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. So we have that to look forward to. We have balls out that we can patronize now. I, I, I know I don't want to get too far ahead, but, but do you think, would you like to open more concepts down the road? Do you have a vision for something else where you could bring something different to the city? Um, I have some ideas, yeah. I haven't necessarily thought about which one it would be. Um, I'm pretty well-traveled person. I've spent a lot of time in a lot of countries around the world, lived and worked and traveled and hung out. So I have seen a lot of things that other places do. Um, so I do have some ideas, but nothing concrete. I'm not, I don't get too far ahead of myself, you know? I mean, I'm, I'm doing two places within a year. Right. Just had a baby. I've, I've enough going on for now, but certainly in the future, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but so far, I mean, you feel pretty good about where you're at yeah. with your experience in Houston. Absolutely. Research. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love the city too. Great place to live and great place to work. Are there like a couple of things that are sort of the most obvious difference between what diners in Dublin want versus what diners in Houston expect? Um, I think, and I mean this in the best way possible, that Houston diners are probably a bit more demanding. But in terms of the city is so amazing from a culinary point of view that they, they've come to expect a seriously high quality of product, service, um, atmosphere, everything, and and that's great. That's a good thing. Whereas in Ireland, it, the the cities there are smaller. I lived in Dublin; it's a smaller city. There's less people. The the scene is is definitely taking off there. The bar and restaurant scene, but it's nowhere near as advanced as it is here. It's probably a little bit behind American cities. So good things come here first, then they might go to London, then they might go to Ireland. You know, that's the way it works. So so definitely people here. People here very much know what they like, they know what they want, and they expect to get a good product and a good offering, and that's a good thing. Very good. All right. Well, we're running low on time, so it's time for the lightning round. Are you are you ready? Five easy, I'm ready. five short answer questions. I've listened to your previous podcast. Oh, good. <laughs> People always seem so surprised. Uh, what's the first restaurant you worked at? first restaurant I worked at was called the Chicago Pizza Pie Factory. It was in Dublin. I was 17. Um, it was kind of like a, a, I guess, a TJ Friday style place. I waited tables. Uh, what's the first concert you ever went to? First concert I ever went to was Oasis and the Prodigy. 
performing one after the other. I think I was 15 at the time. This has got to be what, like 1994 or 95? 95. Summer 95, yeah. Um, The best new Houston restaurant that you visited recently, other than Balls Out Burger? Um, Well, that is a tough one, especially for new restaurants. Um, I think probably Maba Pan Asian Diner in Midtown. It's a good answer. I like that answer. I don't know if it's six months. It might be a little longer than that. Rough, no, I think they uh, they opened. Uh, I want to say they opened at the very beginning of the year. So, so you're close enough. Okay. Um, have you developed a favorite Houston sports figure? <laughs> and I know you ask this question to everybody. So my the the American sports I'm into the most is football. I'm I'm sorry to say, especially right now, I'm not a big baseball fan. Um, so definitely a concentration on the football, and I would have to say probably JJ. He's a Houston icon. Just does so much for the city too. Absolutely. No, no, no shame in, in answering JJ Watt, but we're, we're going to bring you around. We're going to, we're going to turn you into a George Springer man <laughs> over time. Um, and then, you know, every Houstonian has to have an answer to this question. What's your favorite place to get a taco? So maybe controversial with some local Houstonians that have been eating tacos all their lives. Um, Velvet taco. But for one particular taco that they do, which is the, the fried fish and curry taco, I just think it's phenomenal. And I used to live right across the street, so we went there all the time. All right. Well, very good. Ian Tucker, thank you so much. We can follow your restaurant's Twitter account at Balls Out Burger. You can go to nextseed.com for all the details on how to invest in poutine. And, of course, thanks to Felice Sloan for joining me from Urban Swank. Urbanswank.com for all of their content and on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest. You can follow me on Twitter at E. Sandler, on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Thanks so much for listening. I will be back next week with Thomas Wynn from Pelly Pelly.